You know, I do want to say something about last week's baptism. As I sat across the pool and watched Michelle and Josh and Emma be baptized, three-letter word came to my mind, OCD. I'm going to redefine it. OCD. They were obedient to the word of God. God says, repent and be baptized, right? They obeyed the word of God. And that's kind of a nice, solid anchor for them. And then they confessed their sins. They confessed their sins. Jesus says, confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins, right? Then D, OCD, the public display. They did it publicly, right? And I'm sitting across the pool watching all of this, and they're being obedient, they're confessing their sins, and they're doing it publicly. What a pylon and an anchor in your Christian faith. And my challenge to all of you that haven't been baptized, you're missing that solid anchor in your faith that when the storms of life come, when Satan is sending his hordes after you and you're hanging on for dear life, that's an anchor point you can always go back to with confidence. That's something I got out of last week's. But anyway, I had to put in a plug for that. That was 4% of our population was baptized last weekend and 10% in the last six months. Okay, 10%. Okay, so, so um, I don't know, six weeks ago I started a study, and uh, I started talking about Psalm 145. I've been studying it all year. I'm meandering through it, okay? And um, I basically introduced it to you, and I talked a little bit, I talked more about the importance of knowing the Word of God and just, you know, having the Word of God immediately available for all life situations, you know, and then I talked about some unique things about the scriptures and the structure, and I didn't really get into the book of, or Psalm 145, and today we're going to dive back in. But first, let me open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are just so thankful, Lord, that we can talk about your word and teach it, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us and guide us through your word, and we just Thank you for this time of thanksgiving. We do thank you that Jesus Christ defeated death. And not only were we reminded of great feasting this weekend, but we're going to be feasting with you in heaven for all eternity. And we just thank you and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, okay, so last time I did, I want to get Psalm 145 out in front of you again. I recited it. I'm going to do it one more time. For those of you that have already heard, you can go to the Word and just let the audible, just re, watch, listen to it while I um, uh, recite it. And for those of you that hadn't heard, you'll be blessed with, with getting the Word out in front. I like this song. This song is unique, and it's very, very powerful. And you're going to see why through the course of this morning. But so, Psalm 145 goes like this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. 
uh, I forgot it. They will speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is on all that he has made. All your works give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of its power and make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all those who are falling and rises up those who are bowed down. All eyes look to you. You provide them food in due season. You open up your hands. You fulfill the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those that fear him and hears their cries and saves them. The Lord preserves all that love him, but the wicked he shall destroy. With my mouth I speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. One of the most powerful psalms I've ever read. This, this psalm, I'm going to retrace a few steps from six weeks ago. The opening scene is the king honoring the real king. Ideas of allegiance and devotion come out. Exaltation commences with majesty and glory to the point where all you can do is meditate on the greatness and character of God. We are reminded of the Lord's awesome deeds and his mighty works and the glory of his current kingdom. We are told to teach these things to our children then the themes transitions into the Lord's grace and mercy. We are taught about his intrinsic goodness and care, his constant care at a personal level. He upholds all those who are falling and rises us up in our time of need. He feeds and provides for our every need spiritually and physically. Even closer, he is near to us. He hears our calls and our cries and answers and fulfills our prayers. He is constantly about the business of protecting us. He reminds us of his intolerance to wickedness and sin and leads us back to praise and exaltation. In a grand finale, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. These are just the sweeping macro themes through, through this whole psalm, and it is awesome. It is awesome outright. Just the ministry that this psalm just portrays in its context is wonderful. Now, there's a reason I'm in this psalm and I'm camped in it, and it, it's, I'm studying Hebrew right now, the language of Hebrew, and this psalm is a Hebrew acrostic. There's another hidden blessing that you haven't even seen yet that just continues. The depths of God are unsearchable. 
Not only is it a Hebrew acrostic, but it does something special with the letter of each Hebrew alphabet. Each Hebrew letter is tied to a special word. The entire alphabet is sequenced and is tagged to the first word in, the, in, in each sentence, right? So you've got the first word in every sentence with the, tagged with the Hebrew letters, and the Hebrew letters tagged to a word. There's 22 words in here that God has specifically characterized that he wants to know about himself. And guess what? You can't see it from the English text. And I'm going to unravel it through this series, and you're going to highlight that key word because it is awesome. Anyway, so let me show you. Let me show you. So, no, this isn't scribblish, scribble. This is Hebrew. This is classic. You, you open up your Hebrew Bible, this is what it shows. And this here is Psalm 145. And each, each row here is a verse. And, okay, you read Hebrew from right to left. I'll show you. I'm going to blow your mind away. So, right here, I, I just grabbed the first words in the first four, four verses. Here's the first words in the first four verses. And what I was just telling you, that's Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dale, A, B, G, D, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. It's the first letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each of those, each of those letters is in has a word associated with it. And these words are what my meandering focus through 145 is all about. And so let's, let me start, actually, so I've listed out, here, here, this is a list of each of these words. I've written them out in the alphabet, and these are all the words that we're going to learn, and I'm going to pull out the English version of that so you can see it in the text. So let's, let's go. So this is Psalm 145 in the English Standard Version. And it basically, it starts out, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. So David, he's highly, King David wrote this. I talked about that last week. This is King David's praise. It's a praise from David, Tahila, not tequila, Tahila. Okay? Tahila means the praise of God. David is highly exalting and highly praising Elohim, God. The Hebrew word here is Elohim. Then David goes on to acknowledge God as the king. David knows his master and rightly sets aside his own position. He is a king at the time he's writing this, and he's acknowledging God as his king. And you know David's road to kingship was a hard road of lessons learned. And, you know, there's these epic scenes that you love about David, specifically when he's faced, facing Goliath, right? And he, he recognizes the purity of his faith and, the, and the, the righteousness he had towards God is picked up in that scene where he's running to Goliath. And he's saying, But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Bam! Goliath goes down. Now, year, decades later, he's 
victory after victory. You know, he's won so many major battles. Now he's advanced, and he's sitting on his throne, and he's probably bored, and he pulls in Joab, the commander of his armies, and states, go through the tribes of Israel that I may know the number of people. He's, he wants to count how many men that's caused him and given him his success. That was a really bad idea. Really bad idea. Joab, of course, knows that this is a bad idea and pleads with David to rescind this request immediately. And, of course, David would have none of it. And nine months later, David gets the count, realizes why this was a bad idea, and um, that is a whole story that I'm going to share with you in the future. But it, it's a warning that, you know, it's a warning. It's, it's the other side of success. So, right, you guys come into success and everything's ease, and this is when the enemy comes after you and attacks you. When you're, it's the other side of success. When you're living it, all of a sudden you're going to get attacked. So you've got to know how to handle success also along with the climb to it, right? You climb to it, get there, you're there, and then you're going to get attacked. And you've got a David's story here. I mean, now you're going to see where he's at. He's writing, this is one of his last psalms, so you can kind of get you know, in his mind where he's at right now. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. In this sentence, we have our first Hebrew alphabet showing up, and this is Aleph, okay? Aleph, the word here, extol, is the first word you need to highlight in your Bible, because what extol, what extol means, it's the Hebrew word aromenka, except you don't, it's not ka, it's ha, I can't, this Hebrew stuff, aromencha is how it's pronounced. And it's the only English word we can find to get close to it is the word extol, right? Aromenka means to be high above, to reach high, to exalt, to, to lift up. Further amplification comes from the verb syntax. Where's Terry? She posted my parsing of it on Facebook last time I preached. I'm not going to do that again. But the verb is an active voice with intense action and stresses habitual action. And so what David is saying, my God and King, I will stretch to the maximum my exaltation and praise and lift you up high above all things. The intensity of your praise must be habitual, intense for how long? Forever and ever, your future. Start living your future now. On the subject of praise, on the subject of praising God, here David's praising it, but, you know, you have competition. And I shared this with you a couple of years ago. You have competition in who's praising God. Psalm 19, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day after day, pours out speech, night after night proclaims knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout the earth. Their words to the end of the world. This is such a cool picture. I, I have this scene in my mind when he, when he talks about day and talks about night. It's this, 
It's this track event, right? And you're on a team and you're going to pass the baton. And you're running full force and you pass the baton on of praise and it's just this never-ending track meet. And I love, in my commentary, it says, this proclamation is, a, is continuous and unceasing. Each day, each night, hands on the message to its successor in an unbroken tradition. Day and night are mentioned separately, for each has a special message entrusted to it. The days tell of splendor, power, and glory, and the night tells of vastness, order, mystery, and beauty. They are like two parts of a choir chanting forth alternately the praises of God. We have a big God. When all of his creation is praising him day and night continuously, we are created above his, his objects. And so what business should we be about? Our God is so vast and majestic, how can anyone ever get depressed? Our very God is caring for you. He's upholding you. He's rising you up. He's feeding you. He's near to you. Don't you owe him praise? That is what King David is arguing for when he uses this Hebrew word aromenka. He's, this, is, this is the theme of it. It's time to adopt a daily life of praising and exalting God all through the day. Highlight that word again. Okay, so verse, verse 2. Verse 2, how long should you be doing that? What's the frequency every day? The Hebrew word here is bet. It's the Hebrew letter B, and it's bekolyam. Bekoyam. And bekoyam, bekoyam is a compound word. It's made up of kol, kol, and yam. Bekoyam. Kol is the Hebrew word for all. All, right? And yam is the Hebrew word for day. You've heard the word Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur? How many have heard the word Yom Kippur? Yeah, half the population here. Yom is day. It's the most important Jewish day of the year, the Day of Atonement. Bakol Yom literally means in all the day. In all the day I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. And the context logically extends to every day. In all the day and every day, God is you, you, know, you owe God him his praise. The king encourages us to be about the business of praising God in all the day and every day. And what an opportunity for us to align our priorities. You know, the scriptures everywhere give us reasons to praise God. How about Psalm 20, verse 5? It says, shout for joy over your salvation. It also says, shout for joy over answered prayer. Listen to Psalm 25. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. You know what? I am so thankful that our mighty God is bent towards favor for his sheep. And he delights in fulfilling our requests. 
you know, you, you think of him, he's not there, he's not up there trying to frustrate us. He wants us to be obedient so he can bless us greatly. It's, it's a theme running all through Psalms. It's clear that God, God is bent on blessings. You know, and it's, it reminds me, too, we've ex, you've all pray, and then you pray with intensity, and there's levels of intensity you pray for. And then when he answers that prayer, do you give him back that intensity in, in praise and thanksgiving, or do you just kind of forget about it and move on? And then the next hardship hits you, and then all of a sudden all your energy is pray, praying and begging God, and then uh, boom, he answers and you forget about it. This is one of the things, you know, there's a story in the New Testament that just came to my mind two days ago. And it's not necessarily the thrust of the text. It's more like along our Matthew lines. It's the failed leaders, the failed shepherds. But it's Luke. Luke 17, 11, 19. Jesus is passing through Samaria. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. He was met by ten leopards who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as he went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And the story goes on to say it was a Samaritan, a foreigner. And um, although this really happened, there's another analogy, but the thankfulness and praise that this man had is what is being what I'm arguing for at this point. You know, and I, we elders, we have an awesome prayer team here. All those prayers and the connection cards get registered and they get passed on. And the prayer team is thirty percent of this church is the prayer team, right? And of course, the elders and pastors were on it, and we understand the spiritual battles you're going through, primarily because we're going through them too. So some of the prayers we're saying, yeah, me too. <laughs> I want that one too. But anyway, we're very encouraged when you come back on those connection cards and say, my prayer has been answered, and it's a fun time for us to delight in the, and praise God for answering prayers. All right, next verse. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Highlight great in your Bibles. We've got Aleph, Bet, Gimel. Okay, so Gimel is the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the Hebrew word is Gadol, Gadol. The English word great nails the meaning of the Hebrew word right on the head. The definition of Gadol is great in magnitude and great in extent. And extent is like geography. Great in number, intensity, and age. His greatness 
is to be praised. And the word changes here. Look at it, it says, great is the Lord. First of all, it was God, now it's Lord. The, the Hebrew spelling is Yahweh-He. Those are the four letters. And it's pronounced Yehovah. Yehovah, and it's used 6,800 times in the Old Testament. It moves from Elohim to Yehovah. El is God the Creator, all-powerful, deserving of praise and glory to the Lord. Yehovah speaks of the aspect of God as the covenant Lord. The word is his connection with man. A merciful and gracious Lord making a covenant with his people. He now walks and talks with man to share his direct will with him, with us. Yehovah makes a covenant with man to teach and guide and instruct in a life of restoration, wisdom, joy, truth, knowing our struggles. He is our redeemer. This is, it changes here. And moving on, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. So what is meant by unsearchable? Kyle and Delitz, my go-to Old Testament Hebrew commentary. It is so abysmally deep that no searching can reach its bottom. That's what is meant here. And if you right-click on that word, you probably get Isaiah 40 and Job 11. And when you, you, when you do morphological searches on these words, it tells you all the scriptures that use that exact spelling so you can nail it. Have you not... Chris, why are you laughing? <laughs> Told you, April. No Greek here. It's all Hebrew. Listen to Isaiah 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is, ever, is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And again in Job, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Worthy of praise. We owe it to God based on his greatness. He is not in need of praise from us. God is in need of nothing. Praising God is for your benefit. Do you praise God's greatness? The greatness of God should shine forth so clearly in our lives, in our heart, in our mind and soul. You should have no fear in any situation. And I heard that come up today in our prayer time. You should have no fear in any situation knowing the greatness of God is near you. And look at my commentary on this. There are certain phrases that haunt me. I, I shared, with, shared one of those phrases with you six weeks ago. Does anybody remember it? April. Yeah. The, the, some phrases haunting. John Owen wrote, light and frivolous 
perusal of the scriptures is a sickness of the soul and leads to deadness. <laughs> now you know I'm diving deep. There's another phrase that comes from Kyle and Delitz. For the Christian, the greatness of God shines like an undimmed mirror. And if not, you are beclouded by sin. Am I beclouded by sin? Are you beclouded by sin? Do you see the greatness of God with such brilliance? Do you want the greatness of God to shine in your life? Do you want the greatness of God ever present in your sight? Don't be beclouded by sin. Put it away. Turn it off. Guard your eyes and be cleansed so that the greatness of God shines in your life. In 1 John, he tells us to cleanse ourselves. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, be clean, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be cleansed of your sin through confession and repentance and experience God's greatness. Verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Highlight the word generation. This is unbelievable. Even though the depths of God's riches can never be completely mined, this vein of gold never ends. You just keep going. He, does, he wants us to continually celebrate and commend and declare the richness of his works and his mighty acts and deeds. One generation shall commend your works to another. So we've got Aleph, Bet, Gemel, Dale. Fourth letter. It's, it's, the, it's the letter D, and it shows up as a, uh, what, delta, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. A lot of similarities. De- the word, the Hebrew word here is dor, D-O-R, dor. It's a common noun that means lifetime, cycle, or generation. And this, to, you know, when you read this, things come to your mind. And, and when you trace the word and you find other scriptures it's used in, the theme starts to kind of emerge. And the themes, that, the, the big one that comes out of this is that God keeps a heritage despite us. He proliferates a generation that will commend and declare his acts. Can you imagine a whole generation departed from God? Can you imagine if not one person followed Jesus Christ? What would it look like? Do you know that there's a person in the Bible that came to this point? Do you remember Elijah? In his bleakest hour, he saw no one, not one person following the Lord. The story picks up with Ezekiel. Um, he ju- the miracle he ju- God just did through him, fantastic. He's now, Jezebel finds out for it and says, by this time tomorrow, I'll have your head. And so now Ezekiel is panicked, and he's running, and he's into the desert, I don't know how many days, but he passes out, and he just wants to die, right? 
He wants to die. But God wouldn't let it. Angels come and nurse him back to health and help him move along, and all of a sudden you find him in this cave. And then the Lord says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, Elijah says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it. And if Jezebel is after you, it's serious. You're going down. You're going down with her on your tail. Last man standing in the Lord's kingdom, thought Elijah. In Elijah's mind, not one person remained who followed the Lord. All had gone astray. But look what the Lord comes back and says. And the Lord said to him, Yet I, have, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. 7,000 that have not bowed down to other gods. The Lord counts each one of us, each person that remains faithful to him. He counts those who actually obey and follow him, not by word or mouth, but by obedience. They did not bow down to the culture, and they were not swept away by false prophets. They did not give in. Are you counted as one of the faithful who obey? What are you bowing down to? Who are you kissing? Are you one of the lords who has not bowed down and not kissed the culture? Would the Lord consider you, consider you one of his? It's time to rise up and be that generation that commends the works of God into the next generation. Let us clamor and strive for ourselves to be counted as that one generation. You know, th this is perfect. I think of parenting, right? What, what a great opportunity with your children at home to share this verse. Tell them that I want you to be that generation after me that commends and declares the mighty acts and deeds of God. Teach the deeds to them. You've got to teach it to them. Teach them in the safety and peace of your home while you have a chance. After they're gone, it's minimized. Teach them to defend the mighty acts in public. Teach them to speak out when the culture tells you to shut up. The culture is telling you to not say anything. Not say anything. What an awesome opportunity for us to teach our children to, to carry his mighty acts and works. Now, I'm out of time. My time is running out. I'm on verse 5, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. I guess I'm not going to have time. So the next verse here... Verse 5 is, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The key word here, we've got Aleph, Bet, Gemel, Dale, 
Chedar. Chedar is the word splendor. That's the fifth letter. And there's a theme emerging with, the, with verse 4, 5, and 6. And they all, it says, declare his mighty acts, commend his works, dwell on his majesty and his wondrous works. I took that to heart, and I started listing out all of these works. And I've, I'm just, I've got 35 of them now. In, in the next verse, when I get to it, in, in our next session, I just want you to know that, that not only am I going to tell you these 36 different acts, I dove into one of those, and I dug it up and carved it up, and it is so relevant for today. I, I was blown away, and I'm going to do one whole sermon on Korah's Rebellion, because it is, it's what... You know, you think these are childhood stories. You know, you just tell your kids, oh, it's nice and fun. But when you meditate on these and you, and you see that the New Testament also anchors them, they are relevant for today and there's so much truth you can get out of God's mighty acts, his deeds, his works. It is amazing. It is amazing. And I wish I had another three hours, but I'm being flagged down. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off here. Verse 5, and then we'll continue the next time. So let me close with the word of prayer. Father, we want to be a generation that commends your acts and praises you and declares your mighty deeds. You are a big God, and you are majestic and glorious, and we thank you that you have chosen us to be a people to follow you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we uh, wrap up our time of worship.